Welcome back, everybody. It's the Betting Pros College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined every week. Check us out, please, for 2022. Going to be a lot of fun. Thor Nystrom. We did a week zero show last week. Week zero was week zero. It's a lot of unexpected, a lot of uh, things that were eye rolling and Nebraska disappointing, which is right on. That's how you know it's uh, college football season here. You can follow him on the Twitter at Thor KU. Thor, are you ready for week one? The official real week one? Are you ready to rock? I am. Yeah. And we have we have a full offering these next coming three days. You know, we have we have a, f- a bigger Thursday slate than we were going to get yeah. mo- for most of the season. We have a bunch of games on Friday. Looks like five different FBS versus FBS games on Friday. And then we have the first sort of full slate of, of Saturday games. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, we are pumped and ready to go here. So uh, just so you guys know the structure of this show, we're going to talk about the Thursday, Friday games. Then we're going to talk about the five biggest matchups of the week. And then we're going to give you Thor's favorite picks. So let's just dive in on these Thursday games, Thor. I'm going to lay out just a couple of the games that I see on uh, your sheet that you have big differences in. Uh, Differences of five points or more. You like Pitt minus a seven and a half versus West Virginia in the backyard brawl. You like Michigan State minus the 20 against Western Michigan. You like Louisiana Tech plus the 19 and a half at Missouri. And you like, um, uh, I believe, Illinois plus the three and a half against Indiana. So what is it about these games in particular that you like against the spread here for this week? Yeah, well, the the backyard brawl first, uh, that's one of the biggest overlays that I have of any game this week. I, I have my numbers at Pitt as minus 17 and a half point favorites. Um, West Virginia lost a lot over the offseason on defense. And the defense has been the one thing that has dragged their crappy offense into bowl season the last couple of years. Now the defense is decimated. They four starters back only on 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 there and and in the back half. I think they only have two be- combined between the linebacker and the the entire secondary unit of starters oh. that are coming back. So their defense is going to be down in comparison to what we've seen the last couple of years. That they made some changes on offense, but I'm not sure it's going to lead to any big uh, you know breakthrough. They, it, w- it was smart getting rid of Parker and bringing in Graham Harrell. I, you know, I, I was certainly down with that. Um, but it seems like um, they, they think that they could turn JT Daniels from water to wine. And and I'm, I'm sort of pessimistic about their, you know, the, the ability for that to happen. JT Daniels is a guy who's been run out of his last two stops. And over the last three years combined, he's had like a hundred less passing attempts than he had as a true freshman. So the last three years, we just haven't seen him on the field very much. I think it's a lot to ask JT Daniels to go onto this team that does not have a lot of West Virginia does not have a lot of skill talent around them. They lost their wide receiver one over the offseason uh, to Florida State. They they lost their starting running back to graduation. Um, and they brought in Lynn J. Dixon to be like a committee back. And Lynn J. Dixon has already left them. So their their running back room is not very good. Their receiving room is 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 not very good. And now you're expecting JT Daniels to sort of pull everything off. I, I you know, I I'm, again not very confident about that. Whereas with- yeah, because you like Pitt, you like Pitt's offensive side too. You think maybe a little bit has been made too much about Pickett and Addison leaving. I mean, those are two major parts. But you like Slovis, you like Mumfeld. So uh, you know, 
it's not really pit that you're betting on. You're betting against W WVU in this game, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm lower on the market than than the, you know than on West Virginia, and I'm I'm higher than the market on on Pitt. Certainly, their their passing offense is going to go down a bit. You know, losing uh, Pickett and Addison, and losing Mark Whipple, and losing Brennan Marion. But you know, you mentioned the two guys that you're bringing in uh, to replace the the you know the quarterback and the wide receiver, which were pretty solid additions. Like Keaton Slovis was was certainly an above average power five starter when he was the starter at, at USC was one of the reasons why you know Daniels got kicked out of there and then you have that going for you and then uh Kanata Mumfield last year was in the 96th percentile according to PFF of separation gained against single coverage against man man coverage so he, he he's a really good talent too that I think people might be sleeping on a little bit right now but beyond that like yes I you know again I'm going to concede that the, the passing offense is going to be down a bit but the running offense is absolutely going to be better you know th th that's something that Narduzzi wants to get back to they have a deep uh, backfield rotation where they're all coming back led by a Bonaconda. Um, and then you have that. And then the, the defense is going to be better too. And the defense was something created a lot of havoc last year, number two in the nation in sacks per game. They were top five in the nation in EPA against the run. Now you bring back seven uh, starters. They only lost one guy to the NFL and he was, you know, a late day three pick in Mathis, you know, the, one, one of the cornerbacks the, in all three levels, Pitt has guys coming back. They finished number 29 SP plus in defense last year. They absolutely should be at least top 25 this year and maybe even top 20. So my argument with Pitt is yes, you're losing the Trump card. Absolutely. But, you know, again, it's not going to fall as much as people think with that. And there's two other metrics that are absolutely going to tick up. So I, I, I think they're closer to last year probably than the, the market does. That explains my overlay on this game. How about the other three games? The uh, Michigan State by 20, uh, Louisiana Tech plus the 19 and a half, and Illinois plus the three and a half. Or I might have already fallen to three there. Uh, what's your favorite out of that group? I would say, well, I, I, I do like the Illinois one quite a bit. Um, you know, when Thomas and I were doing our show on Sunday night, I had to double check before we we, we started, we hit the record button because <laughs> I, I, I thought I had listed it wrong on my sheet of listing Indiana as the three and a half point favorite. So I had to go back to the book and check. And indeed, Indiana had been installed as, as the favorite. I, I totally disagree with that, especially after, you know, we saw Illinois open the season last week. It was very, very impressive against against Wyoming. In, in Indiana, on the other side, I don't I don't see how you're, you think that they're going to tick up in, in, in a similar way. Um, last year, Penix got injured pretty early into the season, you know, and then the, the offense just spiraled down the drain after that. But but now you don't even have Penix anymore, even the possibility of him. He transferred to Washington. The, the guy that they brought in to replace him, Connor Bazelak, was a guy that Missouri did not want back. Indiana's running back room stinks. It stunk for years. It's going to stink again. The bigger problem is they used to have a pretty good receiving core where they had like three NFL receivers. You know, they had like Fry Fogel and Phil Yor and uh, Nick Westbrook. You know, and then, and then they had Peyton Hendershot with those guys for a while. So you had like four NFL talents, you know, that were catching the ball. Now they're down to zero. Um, so you, you have problems with the skills. You have problems with the quarterback. You don't love the offensive line. And you can't love the defense very much, too, because Tom Allen he, earlier on in his tenure had found some some under the, the radar stars where he pulled him out of Florida. And then he, he had 
sort of shined off these these low three star recruits and turned them into NFL players. Those guys are all gone now, and and he has not fortified them by by polishing off some other gems. So I, I think Indiana is going to be down. I think there's going to be a, a really tough year for Tom Allen. Not sure that he survives it. I, I like Illinois to win that game. I like both sides of that game. I'm absolutely with you. Uh, after we saw the Kirkland brand, Wisconsin, <laughs> Illinois smash Wyoming last week. Um, I like the under in this game too, because like you said, you can see, I think you can squint and see a path for um middle of the road offense out of Indiana with all the transfers they brought in, but you can't expect them week one uh, to be, uh, you know, going out there and slinging the rock at maximum efficiency. You know what I mean? So I think that, yeah, I think that this is going to be uh, Illinois. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I like the under on it, too. Uh, so I, I am absolutely with you on this game. Uh, the, the other games that you liked, uh, e- either one of those, you have a strong lean towards between uh, Michigan State and Louisiana Tech? Yeah, well, I, I like Louisiana Tech the most of those. Uh, I think it's just too many points. You know, live this thing is ticked all the way up. It's like now it's like Missouri minus 20. It's just too many points. Missouri last year, they stunk in almost every single metric except for the singularity of Tyler Beatty. He was like the one thing that that team had. And so they just funnel all their touches, Dame on offense. Well, Tyler Beatty's a Baltimore Raven now. He ain't walking through that door. They they signed a guy from, from Stanford, Nathaniel Pete who, you know, did not break out as a star at Stanford. He's expected now to, to take over running back. And then a, a quarterback. banged up too, isn't he, Pete? I saw him on the injury report. So. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, see. we'll see if he ends up playing. And then behind him, it's, you know, it's just holdover guys that didn't play much behind Beatty. And then a quarterback, you know, they, they were the team that sloughed off Basilak for, for this uh, Cook kid. Cook, we saw him a bit at the end of last season. He, he might be a little bit better through the air, but he takes more sacks. It doesn't appear that his pocket presence is as good as Basilax, at least right now. So, so for me, that's sort of a wash. Um, and, and also, I know that Missouri was is not super bullish on Cook heading into this season, despite what they might be telling the media, because every time a transfer, a big time, you know, transfer portal quarterback hit the portal uh, over the offseason, Missouri was rumored to be chasing every single one of them. Like you can go down the line. They lost on all of them. They lost on JT Daniels. They lost on Jaden Daniels. They, I mean, everybody like, you know, they, they tried and they failed and they ended up signing Jack Abraham, you know, a guy who's going to be a backup for them, who has been at three, this is going to be his fourth different FBS school that he's at, but you know, they can't be super confident there. And then Missouri's defense absolutely stunk last year. Uh, It was sub 100, both against the run and the pass. So, so, you know, you're, you're pessimistic about them there. Meanwhile, with Louisiana Tech, they have a whole bunch of starters back on defense. They have eight of them. Last year, they had one of the nation's worst defenses, but it's going to be it's going to be better to some degree than we saw last year. The offense should be better as well. You you bring in a new coach in Sonny Cumbie, who is going to be throwing the ball. You know, he's one of the, these air raid guys. He brought with him this fifth year senior Matthew Downing uh, from TCU, where Downing is you know not the most physically gifted guy, but he knows the system, the, the air raid system, which is more about timing than beating people with you know physicality or or your athleticism so he should be a pretty good fit there louisiana tech has a solid offensive line for the g5 they also have a really really good receiving core that goes like four deep um i I think missouri is going to have problems stopping them from moving the ball you could probably say the same on the other side but i i I think that this is a game where it it is going to stay within the, the 20 points i like the underdog the cover in that one 
Uh, how about some of these over-unders here? You also like the under in this same game, Louisiana Tech at Missouri. Um, and uh, Or no, you like the over in that game, excuse me. And then uh, Va Tech at ODU, uh, I believe you like the under in that game. It's sitting at 48.5 right now. The Missouri game is sitting at 58.5. So uh, for Thursday and Friday, those are the two games, the totals that you like there. Yeah, the uh, uh, my system's uh, output on the Missouri Louisiana Tech game was actually seventy three and a half. You know, for the for the over under, it's you know a lot of those numbers are based on last year, and of course, of course, Beatty's not back, but Missouri is still going to be led by their offensive foot for sure. I didn't mention Luther Burden before the five star receiver; he's probably going to replace as much of Beatty's production as whoever ends up being the RB1, because they're going to man- manufacture, you know, just a metric ton of touches for, for Burton. But he's a true freshman, right? So, you know, how much can you expect there? Um, and then, you know, again, with Louisiana Tech, the, the, the offense, you know, I, I, I'm pretty bullish on that. Both these defenses stink. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I would pick that game to go over. And then the, um, the other one, the Old Dominion-Virginia uh, Tech game, that one live right now, when, when it opened on Sunday, the over-under was 50 and a half. It's already come down by two points, I believe. It's a little weather there, right? Is that what you were telling me before? Yeah. So it's down two points, but it's not down far enough. I still like the under at, at 48 and a half quite a bit. The weather is, is a big part of it. This game is being played in Norfolk on Friday night. It's this weird opening scenario, and the forecast is calling for 15 miles per hour wind in Norfolk on Friday night. That, that's the point where, um, you know, the data shows statistically that the wind starts to really affect both offenses and starts to suppress scoring once once you get over that 12 to 15 uh, threshold. So so we have the wind going for us in that game. We also, on the other side with, with Virginia Tech, um, the, you know, the, the favorite of this game, it, they've come down a little bit. I think, think it opened at nine and a half or so, and, and now Virginia Tech's down to minus seven and a half. But they have some offensive personnel issues heading into this game. Looks like their starting running back, Malachi Thomas, is going to miss the game. They have a new starting quarterback in Grant Wells. He's working behind a very inexperienced offensive line that has four different true freshmen in the ten in the two deep amongst the ten guys. So forty percent of their their two deep at offensive line are true freshmen. Um, and then their their running back room, even with Malachi Thomas, you would put it near the bottom of the Power Five qualitatively. You do the same thing with their receiver room. That you know, it's, it's lost some guys in recent years. Uh, Fuente did not recruit very well at those spots in the latter part of, of, of his tenure there. So the talent's down on those si- those sides. Uh, the, the the Penn State, the former Penn State defensive coordinator that they hired as coach, you, you'd think maybe he's going to slow down the pace a little bit in this one, especially knowing where his offensive line is at, knowing his, his starting running back is out, knowing where his receiver room is at, and then knowing the, the wind, you know, and, and stuff like that. I don't think he's, he's going to have Wells trying to throw the ball all over the yard either. Um, so, you know, you have that. And then ODU last year was a top 15 defense in the nation in the red zone. You know, they, they were a bend, don't break team. But in the, in the red zone, they were they were very good throughout, consistently good. So even, you know, if, if Virginia Tech can push the ball down the field, we'd be hoping that, that Old Dominion is going to be able to tighten once we get into the red zone. I like the under on that game a lot. All right, let's go to the top five games of the week. Now, these are going to be handpicked by me, so you get whatever Bogman thinks the top five games are. But I don't know if there's a really big argument with the ones I picked. Of course, the biggest one here, Thor, being Notre Dame, number five, at Ohio State, number two. Uh, Ohio State is a 17-point favorite. The over is 59 
do you have a good lean one way or the other, or is this just a hey, let's sit back and watch two game two good teams duke it out early in the season? I'm probably going to stay away uh, from this one. If I bet it, I would bet on Ohio State. Um, okay. My line on this game is Ohio State minus 19.7. So, you, you know, you potentially have, you know, close to a field goal of line value on that side if, if that's the way that you want to go. But I, I do have a lot of questions, you know, specifically on the side of, of, of Notre Dame where I, you have some open-ended questions where you don't know exactly how it's, it's going to shake out. Buckner last year, the, the quarterback who's taken over, we saw him off the bench several times, you know, where, where, where Kelly situationally would bring him in for Jack Cohen. But now he has to, to do the whole thing. You know, he, First take, start, no pressure. In no pressure. The, on in the, the road, horseshoe. in the horseshoe, against the Buckeyes, on national television. Good luck, kid. It's tough, yeah, and he's going in with a first-time head coach in, in Marcus Freeman. Now, of course, Marcus Freeman was on the staff last year, and he was promoted. Most of the assistants you know, were guys that were also on the staff, so you do have the continuity. But Brian Kelly was a guy he, – he knows every game situation – you know, I mean, like that, that, that guy's got a mind like a steel trap for that kind of stuff. Marcus Freeman, you know, he's just starting out in, in his coaching career. So we'll, we'll see if they lose anything in translation with that. But it's obviously a, a tough opening assignment for them. And then you look on the other side with with Ohio State. They lost the two first round receivers, but their receiving core is still you know, argu- arguably the best in the nation, top three in the nation. Like, however you want to parse that with Smith, Smith and Jigba. And now you have Marvin Harrison, who's going to step step up, Buka or Julian Fleming. All those guys were, were five-star recruits. So many the, options. Yeah, oh, they, they're going to be totally fine there. They have one of the nation's two best quarterbacks, however you want to parse that, Stroud against, against Bryce Young. One of the nation's two best uh, running backs. And Bogman, we'll just say he's number two with a, with a yes, bullet. because He's number two. Bijan, your boy, we, we can't put him above that. But you'd, right. cer- you'd certainly put Travion Henderson. In, in, in the top two. And then the, the thing that you're looking at with Ohio State to decide, is this a team that can beat Alabama, you know, down the road? Because Alabama, I think, is going to be one of the best college football teams we've seen for the last decade. What, what The key thing for Ohio State is how much is that defense going to improve under Jim Knowles, who they, they brought in to try to turn it around? Kerry Coombs, who had been the, the previous guy there, they did not like what he was doing schematically. He, he had gotten demoted during the season, stuff like that. Jim Knowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in America, and he has expectations that are sky high. They expect to be a top 10 overall defense. You know you're going to get the, the top three offense. So the, the, certainly a national title contender, certainly one of the, the best two teams in the nation. That's why I would lean towards them, but this is a lot of points. So like I said, I'm probably going to stay away just so I can watch that one. What about uh, number 11, Oregon, on the road? Well, not really. It's a neutral site game uh, playing against Georgia, but it, the neutral site is in uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So not really uh, a neutral site game. This is a Georgia home game for real. They are 16.5-point favorites. 52.5 is the over-under. Um, uh, look, Georgia lost a lot, uh, but – Still, the majority of the money here, the majority of the cash is on the Bulldogs. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I I think it's for me, it's too many points. Um, and that's that's pretty much what what this one comes down to. Like you said it live, it's 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 Georgia by 17. My line on that one is like Georgia minus like eleven and a half, you know, something like that, or or twelve, I guess. I, I have Georgia minus twelve. So so I do see like five points of line value on Oregon. I, you're paying this tax for Georgia because they won the title last year, but then they lost the five defenders in the first round. They had 10 or 12 guys get drafted overall. Um, and then you lost the, you know, the architect or the quasi architect of the, of the defense. You want to get more credit to Kirby, but in Dan Lanning, who is now going to be the head coach on the other side. So Dan Lanning has a lot of information about Georgia's personnel. Very good point. Yeah. And, 
And, you know, Georgia's offense, you know, they, they lost a couple of running backs. They, they lost Pickens. Obviously, this year they're going to go to this, this crazy tight end heavy uh, thing where they have the three NFL tight ends and, and Bowers <laughs> and Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington. Isn't Eric Gilbert just going to be a wide out mainly, though? He, he's I mean. the replacement for Pickens, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the downfield guy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it, Georgia's offense is going to look more similar than Georgia's defense. But Georgia's defense last year was a historically good, you know, modern college football. And that's the one that you'd expect to fall off just a little bit. Um, it's not going to fall off a ton. They, they still have all kinds of studs. Jalen Carter, uh, Ringo is, is awesome in, in, in the back half. They, they have all sorts of NFL players still. But, you know, again, last you're talking about dropping from one of the best that we've seen for the last 25 years to merely, like, you know, a top five defense in the nation, that's still a, a decent size drop off. So, um, you know, and, and then on the, the, the Oregon side, I, I don't think that their talent maybe is as down as, as some other folks do. Like they, they, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Bo Nix, obviously, but like yeah. he, he is an upgrade over Anthony Brown for sure. And, you know, at running back, they lost Travis Dye, but Byron Cardwell, the backup, I think he's better. You know, it was sort, sort of like the situation with um, Devin Ochain and Isaiah Spiller. Like, I don't really care that A&M lost Spiller because I think Ochain is better, right? And so it's, it's like w- one of those different things. Oregon's also pretty good on on the lines. That's something that Dan Lanning can thank Mario Cristobal for because Mario Cristobal is obsessed with trench play and made sure he recruited it pretty well. So I, I think that Oregon has enough uh, talent to keep this one within the number. And I think that if you want to bet Georgia, you just have to acknowledge that you're essentially paying a five-point tax because of what happened last year. Right. I, I love that breakdown. Uh, Dan Lanning, a uh, huge point, obviously, like you said, knows the ins and outs, not only of the system, but the personnel as well. Uh, let's go to the third game here that I have. Number 23, Cincinnati on the road against Arkansas, number 19. Uh, the current line is Arkansas by six. This is one I got to say, I wanted to write up in my article, Arkansas. I read a couple things. I think they went my way. And then I read Thor. And Thor, you don't like Arkansas in this game. You like Cincinnati. I feel like they're replacing too much. But I, you know what I did with this game was I said, I'm going to just stay away. I'm just going to stay away and see what happens week one. I think if Cincinnati loses to Arkansas, they're obviously taking a decent step backwards. But if they go in and beat the Razorbacks in Arkansas, that's a huge win for a team coming off an enormous year. But it looks like right now, unlike Georgia, you are not paying the Cincinnati tax because they lost so much in the NFL draft. No, you're you're getting you're getting a tax credit, I suppose, yeah. is, is the way that we would put it. Um, yeah, my, you know, objectively, I you know, th- this is one where it just goes too far the other way. I have this line at Arkansas minus one. And now live, they're they're now like six six point favorite or six and a half point favorite in, in in the market. I just think it's too much. Everyone's focusing on what Cincinnati lost, and of course they lost a lot. You know they lost Ritter and they lost Jerome Ford and they lost uh, Pierce on offense, and then on defense it was like Sauce Gardner and Cook and you know uh, Maje uh, Sanders, you know and stuff like that. You, you lost a lot of talent for sure, but they have a lot of talent coming back too. And at this point, you also trust you, you give the, the benefit of the doubt to, to fickle a bit. Um, but the quarterback, th- they should be fine there uh, between Evan Prater, the, the four star that they've been developing. And then they brought Ben Bryant back, a guy who had originally signed with them. He went to EMU to escape Ritter's shadow last year, was really good at EMU. 
So I think between the two, you're going to find something there. Uh, the running back room is super duper deep. Um, the running back room actually might even be better than, than it was with, with Ford just being the guy. Um, like I said, going four deep, Corey Kiner, a uh, local kid who had signed with LSU initially, you, you bring him back, he transfers in. He was a high four-star recruit. Um, they like these other couple kids. Montgomery. They have two different guys named Montgomery that they, they both like. And on defense, they're still going to be solid. Even though you, you lost the stars every single year. I mean, Fickle has brought them you know, all up. Like the two deep last year, you had starting caliber players all up and down it. And now Cincinnati just signed a top 25 recruiting class out of high school. They also signed a top 25 transfer portal class. So Fickle has, has done a pretty good job reloading. And, and while everyone's focusing on what Cincinnati lost, curiously with this matchup, they seem to be ignoring what Arkansas uh, uh, lost, you know, and, and maybe that's just to, to help them justify the, the bet on Arkansas. But Arkansas lost the guy that they forced all the touches to last year because he was by far their best offensive player in Traylon Burks. They're going to have to figure out a different way to play offense now because you can't you can't just move Traylon all around and just force them the touches and then have Traylon take on the entire world. And then on defense, I think they only have four or five starters back. They lost a whole lot on defense. I, Arkansas is still going to be good. They, they have KJ Jefferson back. They, they have an interesting running back room that goes, you know, three deep as well. Um, but you know, because of those losses, I, you know, I, I, I think that they fall off a little bit as well. I think these two teams are closer in actuality than than the market is giving it credit for. I like the underdog for sure. Uh, the uh, fourth game that I put on the list here, and I know that we're both on the same side of this because we talked in our stages, which we will do an hour before we record this. It'll be 5 p.m. Eastern every single Wednesday on the Betting Pros Discord, so please check us out. Come ask us questions, interact with us. It's a lot of fun uh, over there. Um, number seven, Utah, minus two and a half on the road in the swamp against Florida. Uh, 51 and a half is the over here. We're both on the Utah side here. I like Florida. And I think that, you know, if you look in recruiting classes and in terms of skill, Florida is definitely better than Utah. But no coach has been able to turn the talent into production since Urban Meyer left at Florida. Kyle Whittingham has been at Utah for a million years, I think, realistically, since 2005. So um, just the experience in switching over to Cam Rising uh, early in the year last year really turned that team around. They won the Pac-12 last year. They not replacing a lot. They have a lot of returning production. So I like the Utes here, and I know you do too, Thor. I do, yeah. I mean, they, you know, you mentioned it. They're bringing back a whole bunch on both sides of the ball. The offense is going to be really, really good. You got rising back. You have uh, Thomas back, Tavian Thomas, one of the best running backs in America. You have four starting offensive linemen coming back. And I think they had – it's either four of the top five or five of the top six pass catchers as well. So you bring back a ton on, on offense. On defense, the big loss was, was Devin Lloyd. But they did a pre pretty decent job with a one-for-one one, trying to swap them out by stealing a guy off the roster that they're about to see in Muhammad yeah. Diabati, who they, they took from Florida. Diabati's we would say a, that he might have impact, but it's more personnel because obviously he got out before the coach change. So Yeah, and, and, and he should fortify that linebacking core. And Utah is very strong up front. They always have been under Winningham. And their secondary, which invariably is also very strong under Winningham, that's going to be very, very good th this year as well. I really, really like this this Utah team. And and you were sort of alluding to this with Florida on the other side of it, where you, you know, long term, 
I'm bullish on Napier for sure. I mean, this if this game was in November, Thor, do you think you would still have Utah? Or do you think you'd have Florida? Maybe. I I would have to see about is where's the offensive line at at Florida. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a unit that's been awful for the last couple of years. How far does that does that jump up? You know, if at all, uh, Napier did bring an NFL offensive guard with him from Louisiana. This enormous kid. So that their their offensive line is going to be a little bit better. But from where it's coming from. And, and now you're facing a team like Utah. It is going to have to jump up significantly to, to compete in the trenches there. And then on defense, they've been a tire fire for the last couple of years. So yeah. I don't know how, how you're going to trust Florida with your money against this, this Utah team where we know all these kids. Like yeah. we, we know this team is just rock solid. A- after Cam Rising took over for Brewer in, in week three or week four last year, that team was awesome. They were one of the, the best teams in the nation, you know, for, for the rest of the season. And they're one of the few teams in the nation that has an enormous amount of continuity coming back, both with their coaching staff and also both on the, the offensive and the defensive sides of the ball. I, I really like Utah to win this game. And, and so do my numbers. My, my numbers have Utah minus six. Uh, the last game of the top five, and look, we could have gone different ways here. We could have just thrown Alabama out, right? Uh, you know, 41.5-point favorites against Utah State. Uh, we could have talked about some these other ranked teams, but this is the game I want because I do think it's going to be competitive. Um, it's number 24, Houston. It's a four-point road favorite against UTSA. The over is 62 here, Thor. How do you see this game playing out? I kind of like UTSA at home, but Houston's no joke. They're ranked for a reason. They are a very good squad. I uh, I probably honestly wouldn't mess with this one way or the other, but uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, and, and I'm with you on that. I'm probably not going to mess with this one either um, because both of these teams, you know, I, we, we talked both on this show and then also on, on the stages where, that we did of uh, you have games where you'll be higher on the one team than the market and maybe lower on the other team, and it can open up these, these value windows perceived or real, but you know, where, where, where it does, you pull the trigger. This is a game where I was lower on both these two teams than the market over the summer. Um, Houston, I'm not sure that people were baking enough. It, you know, you, you read the, the Houston previews that people had out there. It mostly focuses on the offense, you know, and, and, and what they brought back and, you know, with, with Clayton Toon and you have Tank Dell and everything like that. And, you know, behind Dana Holgerson, you know, calling the shots. Yeah, the, the offense should be pretty solid. Um, but I don't think people are focusing enough on what they lost on defense. And defense was the reason why they were so good last year. They had all the different NFL defenders. The, the one kid win in the, the first round, Logan Hall. He wasn't the only guy that got drafted off that, that Houston defense. They, they got kind of cratered out on the defensive side of the ball. So you would think that they're going to go from like a top 20 defense. Now you're going to regress back maybe to, to where you've been previously in the, the Holgerson era. And then the other, the other thing is they, they lost the guy that they were expecting to be their starting running back in spring ball for the season. Um, the, the running back that they have is fine, uh, Tejon Henry, but he's more of an air back. You know, he's, he's not the guy that can they handle the whole pounding. So the, the running game is probably going to be a little bit down. And then on the UTSA, UTSA side, you bring back Frank Harris, which is great, and you bring back Franklin, which is great too. Um, but they lost the running back, the stud, Sincere McCormick. Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought th- they had signed a kid from Arkansas that I thought was just going to take over, Traylon Smith. But I was reading through the, you know, all the stuff in camp. It doesn't look like Traylon Smith has stolen that job. It looks like he's, you know, not, he definitely not starting. This this kid named Brady, it looks like, is, is the guy leading their depth chart. So we'll have to see the way that their, their running game uh, shakes out. And last year, you know, it was sort of a magical year for them where they, they caught a lot of things right and they, they won all these different games. Um, I don't think that this year is going to go quite as well for them. But like I say, I'm, I'm just a little bit lower on both these teams. My, my line on this game is, is Houston minus 5.9. 
you're sort of within the window. Um, I, I, I'm not touching this one. All right. So let's go to your picks for the week. I listed a bunch of games that, that you have overlays on, but Thor, obviously I'm just going to go ahead and soft pitch this to you. Uh, give us some games that you like this week, whether it's uh, against a spread over unders, anything else, any other props that you see that you like, whatever it is, this is your time to tell the people what you like this week. Well, the props haven't opened on my book yet, so we'll, we'll have to wait for the next couple of days on those. I'll definitely have some of my Saturday show. With when Mike do those Farrell's props show. usually come out? They come out Saturday morning or Friday night? It's usually on Friday. Yeah, like Friday. The, okay. the books will put them out. Some other books, I you know, apparently I'm not on these, but like I, there, there's apparently some other books where the college props come out maybe a couple of days before that. But okay. yeah, you're never getting them before a Tuesday at the earliest, but the earliest one that opens them. But most books are waiting for Friday to drop the, the college props. They probably want to see at the other books, like where, where they've gotten bet up and down because sure. the, the books make so many mistakes with college props. Um, mm. we, we took advantage. I, I think I, last week, I don't want to misquote it, but I think I gave out four props on the show with Farrell. I think they went four and all. Um, I'm pretty sure they went four and all. If they didn't, it was three and one. But I'm pretty sure they went four and all. But excellent. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those then on on Saturday. Um, one of the other sides that that I like um, a game on Friday night. Um, and and Boggs, we talked about this on on the stages. I really like TCU against Colorado. This Same. Was a, yeah, and this was a game that Thomas and I hit on pretty extensively on our Sunday show where it's like the line look ahead. Um, TCU was only opened by the books as a 10 and a half point favorite. It, it was one of those where it just jumped off the page. This is way too low. It has already been bet up to TCU minus 13 and a half in the, you know, 48 plus hours since I would, I would be surprised if that is not over two touchdowns by the time we get to, to kick and in fact, might, might get there tomorrow. I mean, the, the, you know, this, this line could conceivably be up by, you know, around 17 by the, by the time this kicks TCU, overwhelming majority of the money is laying the points at plus 14 for TCU right now. And I like this game too, Thor. Um, my thing in this one is, um, because I talked a lot about continuity specifically in my article that will be out uh, tomorrow on uh, betting pros. But I, I talked a lot about continuity for week one and you do have a new coach and a new starting quarterback really for TCU and a lot of moving pieces, but they're playing Colorado. Colorado is miserable. I think the only reason it was that low is because Texas A&M had a tough time against Colorado when Haynes King went out uh, for them early in the year last year. So um, I think that that may be a little bit of it, but uh, I just, I expect TCU to score points at Colorado to not. So they're one of the worst P five teams. I think Colorado. So I like TCU to roll in that one. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Colorado certainly at this point now is, is near the bottom of the power five. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, they've, they've moved into the neighborhood with, with Vandy. Vandy wants to move out of that neighborhood now, but you know, <laughs> Kansas and Duke. I'd and, take Vandy after watching them against Hawaii. I'd tell you that much. I, I think I would take Vandy uh, straight up against Colorado at this point too. But yeah, you know, we talked a lot in, in the off season about how much talent USC added in this, this historical mm -hmm. off season of the player movement. They U, USC jumped way, way up. Colorado is, is on the opposite end of the polarity where everyone just went into Boulder and plucked every player off their roster that yeah. they wanted. I think Colorado ended up, they lost 23 guys in the portal. I, I believe, you know, from, from my count that they lost the most players 
of any other school. And a lot of them were in there. They're too deep. So Colorado is, is down even in relation to what they were last year. And last year they weren't good. They, they you know, they, they went four and eight last year. They're definitely going to be worse uh, this year. And then meanwhile, on the other side with TCU, you mentioned how much experience they have coming back. They're top 10 in the nation in, in returning experience that, that, that comes back. I believe it's 18 total starters. The, the, so again, totally opposite side. USC, they had jumped in my from the end of last season to my my power rankings right now. They had jumped 39 spots. TCU is the only team that jumped higher than that. They actually jumped up 40 spots in in in, in my power ratings. You both have the returning experience, but also with them, you have the thing where last year's team it regressed so bad because of two very very specific things. Number one, the passing offense, which was inefficient and turnover prone, and then number two. The defense, shockingly, and you know, this is why Gary Patterson got shown the door, but they gave up like 11 points more per game than they had the previous year, just totally, you know, f- fell off or whatever. This year, you have a million starters coming back on defense, you know, like yeah. nine or 10 starters coming back on defense. That they mathematically, they cannot be worse. They will be better just by definite. They, they are going to be better than they were last year. Probably you would, you would probably cut it where they're going to be halfway between the two. Of, of the, from the year before and, and last year, but that would cut off like five and a half points per game, right? So you're almost so now you're you start with a almost a touchdown head start over every game that you had last year, and then the offense should be way better too. I was mentioning that the passing offense was was their issue last year. Max, Max Dugan being the quarterback has been the last couple of years. Max Dugan had certainly had things going for him. You know he's a tough runner, you know dual threat element to his game, and he had a big arm. Accuracy is not Max Dugan's thing. Um, he Max Dugan struggles very poorly with, with accuracy. He also had some pocket presence issues where he'd, he'd throw the ball up for grabs and stuff like that. You you go from that to now you go to a, a quarterback who is perfectly suited for for the air raid in Chandler Morris, and he's running the Sonny Dykes air raid system, which is developed. I mean, like he, you you want to talk about the most quarterback friendly system that you can possibly play in might be Sonny Dykes' system. So so they should be solid there. TCU's receiving core, people don't realize this because of how you know poor Dugan was with the accuracy, but TCU has one of the best receiving cores in the nation. Quentin Johnson's going to go in the first round in April, I believe. You know, 6'4", 210 receiver on the outside, runs high 4'3s, low 4'4s, tremendous ball skills, breaks tackles. You know, he, he averages... It uh, is a crime that this dude has 55 catches in his first it, It's years. crazy. Absolute and, crime. And he's broken like 28, 29 tackles... Uh, in those 55 catches. So, so he, he breaks, you know, a tackle every two catches, basically. He can also, again, he can also make the plays down the field. So he's a guy that can, you, you can, you can manufacture the touches short. He's going to create for you because you can break the tackles and then you can send them deep and he can do that stuff too. And then the three guys behind him are really solid too. They, you know, th- three other starting caliber power five receivers. And then the running back, you know, they had lost Zach Evans, uh, to Mississippi and Zach Evans, you know, w- last year was probably their best offensive player um, and a former five-star guy, but not a very good system. Or I'm sorry, not a very good fit for the air raid. You know, he, he's just the, you know, the, the, the between the tackles runner, he can get outside certainly to the explosion, but he is not good on third downs. It never has been, didn't get thrown the ball a lot. Doesn't pass block uh, Miller, the, the holdover running back the TCU has, who is a little bit better on a per touch basis than Evans last year. He is the more prototypical receiving back back he's going to be a very good fit for this system i think tcu takes a giant step up this year over what we saw last year and i do not believe that carl durrell survives the entire regular season i i think he's going to get fired in either in late october or early november and and i think that the poor season starts out for colorado here 
Are there any other games that you have a strong lean on, whether it's the, like I said, the over under or the spread this week or anything else you have? Um, see, we hit on, um, one, one random one that I'm sniffing around. Um, I kind of like middle Tennessee plus the points against James Madison. I think the books are too high on James Madison, James Madison. They're, they're the one FCS team that jumped up to the FBS this year. And now the, there's, there's 131 teams in the FBS. Um, James Madison has been very good at the subdivision level the last couple of years. And I think sometimes there's a mistake made of thinking that that's just going to continue. But if you look back at the four WKU uh, in their system probably has a lot uh, of that. Cause Houston Baptist, all coaching staff and quarterback came in and set NCAA records last year. So I think a little bit of that has to do with uh, James Madison as well. Well, like, you know, the last like four power FCS teams that have jumped to the Sun Belt, it's like, you know, Georgia Southern, I think Georgia State, Appy State, um, maybe Coastal. You know, I think um, those teams were very, very good in the FCS. And then their first year in, in the FBS was, was, but as a group, there, there sure, was an sure, exception, sure. but was, was not as nearly as good. And, and it took them a little time to, to sort of uh, build up or whatever was, they would have been uh, significantly low. Like the, the, the win total that Vegas was projecting James Madison for in the off season, which was shockingly set at six and a half, despite the fact that James Madison is only playing 11 games. Um, you know, again, th- this is an FCS team. It's a good, it's a good FCS team, but now they have to jump up to, to the next level. Middle Tennessee is bringing back a lot of different guys to bring back the quarterback. They bring back a lot of receivers. They're going to a true air raid system this year, which I think is probably better suited for what they do. They've not run the ball well in, in recent years. Now you try to move even further away from that, put the ball up uh, in, in, in the air and the offensive personnel should take to that pretty quickly. My, my line on this game is it's JMU minus a half a point. So it's basically a coin flip pick. Um, uh, yeah. Whereas in, in Vegas, it's, it's middle Tennessee plus six and a half, which just seems like absurdly no credit for what's a decent, you know, uh, FBS team facing this team who is coming up in their first game. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, obviously, great information from Thor. Follow him on the Twitter at ThorKU. And Thor, once again, we did this last week, but let's do it again since this is officially week one now. Can you kind of lay out your betting pro schedule for everyone so they know uh, when your content is going to come out and where they can find all of it? Yeah, sure. Um, on on well, the the starting on on Saturdays, I, I have the kickoff show with Mike Farrell that's that goes from ten to eleven thirty Eastern every Saturday. Check that out. We go game by game through the card, give picks on sides, totals, props, DFS, the the whole gamut. Um, so that you know that that's a fun one. Sundays do the show with Thomas with the early uh, look aheads to the lines. You know where I I project the spreads and then we see the biggest discrepancies and that's a fun show because. Um, you know, it, it's great to bet late in the week, and there, there's certainly opportunities there. The most value you can can get betting on these yeah. things, it's right away on Sunday or Monday, and then you'll see that the lines start to shift. Um, and, and most of the games that Thomas and I talked about where, you know, I was like, this this line is going to move. A TCU game already TCU. moved four points already. It's crazy. Most of them have moved at least a little bit. So 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 definitely check that one out. I have a column on uh, Mondays where with, with uh, my power rankings. You know, every week we update the power rankings one through 131 uh tuesdays this year um the column that comes out is is my my notes my advanced notes for the coming weekend 
where you'll see all my adjusted spreads against the Vegas line, my adjusted totals against against the Vegas line and those. Um, and then just, you know, going through, was there any significant injuries that occurred over over the last week and that are affecting some of these lines? Which game should you be betting on early? Which game, you know, wh- which ones are the lines going to move? Stuff like that. And then on Thursday is when I drop my 10 favorite bets, my side bets of, of the week. So you can you can check that out. That'll be out. I, I don't know when this episode's coming out, so I don't want to say tomorrow. Thursday, I believe. Yes. Okay, then uh, it's coming out today. On, yeah. <laughs> on betting pros, my, my 10 favorite bets of the college football weekend. All right. Well, hey, I, we appreciate the info. As always, remember, you can follow Thor at Thor K. You can follow me at Bogman Sports. I'm, of course, here. I'll be doing the Fantasy Pros IDP show with Joe Pizapia as well. We already told you about our stages that we're going to have every single Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern to talk college football. I will also have an article dropping. I believe it's going to be dropping Friday mornings uh, for me as well, talking about uh, my five. Uh, I have write-ups of my five favorite bets. I give you five other ones. So it's 10 bets as well with five write-ups uh on that so check that out you can also catch me on cfp winning edge with my guys nick allen xavier trish great dudes over there as well and all my stuff over at in this league in this league.com so that'll wrap it up for us this week we will see you guys next week good luck and take it easy everybody